0: (sighs) Football World Cup's come to an end Best part of a month to wait for Premier League action Best part of a month to wait for Welsh Premier League action On Scorio What have we got for you before then? Well we have got August the 4th Cardiff City's last friendly game Before they return to action In the Premier League Cardiff against Real Betis live on S4C August the 4th And before then What are you going to do? Maybe a little bit of Tour de France action Brilliant coverage on S4C with Gareth Rousseau Owen Grow Providing insight The ins and outs of everything going on Within the uh, The most famous Bicycle race in the world So tune in to the Tour de France highlights Tour de France action On S4C daily Enjoy
1: He likes to tell you If
0: anyone will listen about his seven caps his chocolate knees his distinct lack of pace now it's a long shot but in the long run your blues will be long gone with the long man and the long To Solihull the long man is on his travels heading over to meet a former teammate of mine a very established member of the Welsh national team for the last well a good few years and a man who very nearly had a really successful season with Aston Villa um, where he now plays after having a good old stint at the Liberty Stadium with Swansea he is of course Neil Taylor um, such a popular figure within Chris Coleman's Welsh setup, and now I'm sure Ryan Giggs is. So, looking forward to sitting down with Tails. Um, he's picked a, hopefully a nice little venue, a little coffee, a bit of brunch. We'll see who pays the bill, uh, but it's certainly gonna be good to catch up with, uh, with a good friend of mine. So hopefully this is a good conversation. I'm sure we get into all of it. Club football, international football, uh, the Euros, everything. Oh, hopefully you enjoy this conversation with neil taylor neil taylor well 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 here we go
1: mate on the podcast so scared are you honored i am honored actually yeah i've always i listen to loads of podcasts i've always wanted to be on one so i thought, what better than probably uk's number one podcast mm, i
0: like it mate
1: i like you thank you for that <laughs>
0: that's no problem here we are in solihull i've just driven through mate it's like beverly hills
1: Nice little area isn't it? It is yeah, I've always wanted to live in Beverly Hills, we're just missing the sign up on the hill really but um, yeah it's a lovely area to be fair, enjoyed living it.
0: You live live nearby just happy, content in your life?
1: Yeah I think so, happy and content as you can be when you're not living in Wales I think but um, yeah it's the first time obviously I've not lived in Wales for a long time so to be away from countryside and the sea at the same time is a little bit difficult so still getting used to it but yeah the kids are settled and all that in school so it's it's been alright.
0: And with Aston Villa missed out playoff final so could have been back in the dreamland the Premier League didn't quite happen obviously you're gonna have a little bit of an extended break before going back in but obviously gutted and uh, you know as a club Aston Villa should be in the Premier League
1: Mm. didn't quite happen for you boys yeah I think um, obviously most of us when we came here like the idea obviously everybody can see that Villa recruited quite heavily and, and properly pushed the boat out to get us to where we wanted to be. And I think, um, unfortunately, you know, we got to the final and you think this is it, everything that the club's worked towards in the past 80 months is gonna happen. And then it sort of gets shattered in one game. And I think this that's how cruel the playoffs is. I've gone up by winning it and I've now been part of a squad that's lost in the final as well. So I think it's, it's a really tough one to take, but in football, you gotta get over it.
0: And they've thro- it seems like they've thrown all their eggs in one basket, just wanting to get back up in that one season and you don't, know, you don't quite know what's going to happen now in terms of loads of players leaving, who's going to come back in, whether Villa will have the opportunity to get back up again.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, we're already going to lose about, I think probably 10 that came on loan, um, or people that are out of contract. So we, we had, yeah, 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 we had of loans. We had a lot. We had, we had Snoddy, Lewis Graben, Josh Onema, Axel, um, mm. obviously JT's finished, Gabriel Bonlahol's finished so there's quite a few players now at least ten I think that will be Sam Johnson the goalkeeper yeah. um, so there's absolutely loads of us it's going to be a, a new look team um, but saying that I know for sure there's about three or four oh, young like lads time, who are really good um, and probably would have got their chances last season I hope we not had such a heavy squad full of pretty experienced players so I think um, there'll be ones that'll have to step up this season and then obviously there's still another good crop of boys there but we still don't know, you know with who could get sold and what sort of position the club's in how are you
0: physically, mate?
1: There's a lot of noise in now, isn't there? Hey, what sort of spot have you chosen here? I it's just embarrassing
0: thought... Embarrassing, mate. I
1: just thought it's next door... is going, going to <laughs> be <laughs> <all right.
0: laughs> This is a disaster. It's my house. Um, uh, what was right. I was going to say, physically, how are you, mate? Because you've had a you've had a traumatic couple of weeks, haven't you? Hey, you've been under the knife.
1: I, I was under the knife last Monday. Um, talk me through it. I, it's a difficult one to talk through, really. I think just I... Just um, get in, mate. This is is what podcast is all all about. I've got four kids, you see. Um, So it's clear that contraception in this world doesn't work. So I thought it's time to um, sort of do my bit. I've watched my wife have four kids amicably. Done really well. Um, But four's definitely enough. (laughs) I mean, I've just bought a van um, at the age of 29. (laughs) I've got a van with sliding doors at the age of 29. You can't fit the four kids in any other car. I can't fit them in. Well, I can, but then they have got a double buggy and all that, it's carnage, mate. So I think I just said, that's it. Before a lorry, I'm going to get a van. So So you've had the sniff? So I've had, yeah, so I went under the knife. Um, I had to do it privately because obviously uh, there's one nearby to me. So I went privately because on the NHS, you've got to wait ages, and in that time, I could easily produce triplets. So (laughs) I thought, I've got to get it done soon. So I got it done um, in June, obviously, when I'm off. it was all right, mate. They make it as comfortable as possible for you. Oh, good for them. But what I didn't realise was there'd be five people in the room while yeah. it's happening.
0: So you're not. It's not a. It's not you and the surgeon. It's not an anaesthetic to knock yeah, you out. Yeah. So it's a,
1: it's a local anaesthetic. Yeah, you yeah, can, yeah. If you want, you can have the general anaesthetic if you really struggle. You wanted to see what was going on. But then I on. thought, I just don't really want to be molested without knowing. <laughs> I'd rather be awake, just to make sure that you know people are just taking pictures, laughing over the table, so looking what, at me, and that. So what were the five do? so there was one writing stuff down the other one's a surgeon and then he's got one on the other side helping him with like obviously cutting the stitches or whatever there's no there's four sorry and there's one was on, on- instagram
0: <laughs> instagram live
1: what <One laughs> was facebook live yeah and then there was another woman with all the sanitizing stuff and all that and clearing up and yeah it wasn't luckily my personality doesn't bother me too much that sort of stuff but you're even pro- i you're was slightly you're cut pro- and cut you're up proud of it. your piece I, th- I don't know how, I, I, I can't tell you, because there was local down there, I don't know how he held up. I've got no idea whatsoever. Um, and also, it was in a man's hands, and that's obviously not the way I, I operate, so...
0: Each to their own. Each to their own, I but it's own. I wouldn't judge you if you did.
1: No, exactly, so I don't, know, I don't know how he performed, that's the truth. But all I know is, is um, from here on in, I'm just hoping no more kids. How did you get to that point then? Was it a, a conversation over a glass of wine
0: with your missus, or was it just you saying, I can't handle anymore"? Was um, it a joint one?
1: Yeah, it was a joint, I think we both, I think there was just a look as if like, this has got to stop.
0: This is ridiculous. Yes,
1: he's got to stop, this has. Um, and basically the complications you have, like for women and they have contraception and stuff and obviously I think the process for women having it done is a lot worse, um, is it called a vasectomy or a hysterectomy or something they have, whatever, women, and it's supposed to be terrible, so whereas ours is pretty straightforward, it's only, you're only in there 10 minutes, 10 15 minutes and you're done. Um, and then we were just like, yeah, that's it. Get it done, and it's done and dusted. Everyone I spoke to is like, oh, it's fine. I've had it done. It's, it's mad until you have it done. You don't realize how many people have actually had it done. I don't want to people name.
0: keep it a secret, though. I
1: don't want to name him like, on a podcast. Stephen Clements, but he <laughs> um, he said to me, "Oh, it's fine. Like, obviously, um, It's no issues." And the doctor was like, "It's fine. Get it done." Loads of people have it done, then just have it re- re- reversed when they want to start a family. Yeah. So, because he said it's like the best contraception thing. So. Most people say it's fine, after a couple of days I was fine and stuff I was sore for 6-7 days Were you really? Yeah, yeah um, but I'm alright now, it's fine So
0: how old are the kids?
1: So they are 7, 4, nearly 2 and 10 weeks a little boy will be He's got 2 girls, 2 boys Machine, ain't ya? Machine, yeah We've been really lucky to have 2 of each in that
0: um, So how would you go about it? Like, you know, being a footballer Being a myself with, with a couple of kids With 4 Your missus, it's a hard one, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's really hard. I'm lucky that she's really, really good with kids. Like, she knows what she's doing. I was someone that didn't, I didn't grow up around children whatsoever. And my brother and sister are both like nine and eight years older than me. So by the time I got to like nine, ten years of age, they've left for uni or going to do whatever they're doing. Um, And I'm sort of, I had no experience of babies my whole life. Do you know what I mean? Some people grow up in massive families and there's kids everywhere and all that. I didn't have any of it. So when we had our first child, I was a bit like, what do I do really? Um, but she is like brilliant with kids so i learned everything off her she used to work in nurseries when she was really young and she was like helped out and nanny and this side and the other so she knew kids like inside out so she cracks it and she's good at getting them to all sleep through and all you know the biggest wow. problem for footballers is yeah, chips on your one. are you getting to sleep geezer wants chips all right. All right. Um, yeah can you get them to sleep because for footballers that's the main killer really like you see footballers come in when they've just had their first kid and even i say to them like listen the first three months of your life just write it off you're not going to like your missus it's she ain't going to like you
0: it's a blur isn't it it's a blur you're just in this in the i wouldn't even call it a zone you're in a trance yeah aren't you and then it's a battle like if the kids if a kid's are waking up in the morning yeah it's like a mental battle between you and your missus yeah who's going to stop pretending to sleep first yeah so you're both there you're both awake yeah. you know she's awake yeah. she knows you're awake yeah but the first one to move it's exactly that. And then you know, if you make the first move, you have to make a big show. Like
1: It's exactly you, you that.
0: You chuck the duvet to one set. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll do it then. Yeah, all sorts of noises. And then you <laughs> pretend to wake up like, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. And even if, yeah, my missus is like, even if I do Help helper out with the feed, like food of summer and stuff, I'll be like, Jen, where's this? Where's that? Oh, I might as well have done it myself, Leo. Might as well have just gone up. Where's the bib? I'll oh, just get up. I'll, just, I'll do it now. I'll get up. But I think literally, um, we've done that four times. So it's like, come on. We have to get this, we have to stop this. So, um, But yeah, I mean, there's quite a few lads. Sam Johnson had a baby towards the end of last season. I just said to him, listen, three, three months, just write it off, just write it off completely. It's gonna be a blur, because the first one's the hardest. Like, you don't know, it's you didn't wh- know this could happen li- in yeah, life. Like, why can't life I watch change. a box set until one in the morning still? Because yeah. you need to sleep, mate.
0: So what will you do with your sleep? You know, if, you, if you've got a game the next day, will you go to a hotel,
1: spare um, so room? Spare rooms been done, yeah, most of the time. I'm lucky that most of our kids from like three months in have slept through like really well. I know some people, most people have like nightmares with their kids sometimes trying to get them to sleep or they go through different phases. Um, But yeah, like I said, because my missus is so good, it's not been too bad. Um, Yeah, so I'm right As long as I get a block of sleep, I'm not too bad. And then sort of maybe nap in the afternoons after training, just work around it, mate
0: playing for a club like Aston Villa tails you know you grow up wanting to be a footballer you live that dream you play for Swansea Premier League there's something different about Aston Villa isn't it even though it's not in the Premier League in terms of the size of the club just going to Villa Park if you like it's a different ball game isn't it yeah do you feel that it was a tick that you wanted to to fill that box to play for a club of this of this stature
1: yeah I think it was I think I'll be honest with you I got to that sort of I got to the summer after the Euros and I sort of looked at it, and we were going back to Swansea, and I've been honest about it before with Guedlin, I didn't think it quite worked with me and him. Um, and the way the club was going at Swansea, it hurt a lot of us because of the style of play that had gone completely from the club. And that was what our identity, really. And we've seen a lot of change, and then and amongst and Guedeland and Bob Bradley, and there's a lot of coming in, ins and out, and it just didn't feel like the same club anymore. Um, which is, I, get, I can guarantee you the fans think the same thing. Um, but it's just the natural process of football. I think it happens to every single team. Nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. I, I look at Bournemouth now and I think what you've got with Eddie Howe is such a, so great. Please hang on to it as long as you can because yeah. anything can happen. Um, so I got to after that summer and we were on such a high that summer. It was ridiculous. The, the love for football after that summer and what we'd done and what we'd done with the whole of the country and how it felt. And I was going back to Swansea and I just had that feeling I'd never had in football, which is a bit like deflated. And I was thinking, you know, I hope we do good things this season. Uh, at the time I didn't think we knew and I think Brendan Rodgers was linked be coming back. Yeah. And we were all like, this could be brilliant. Didn't happen in the end, obviously he took the Celtic job, which was a massive job. And it just sort of got to the point where I thought, I need another challenge. Um, like you said about ticking boxes, like. I've played in the Premier League, I've played at all the different stadiums. Even like my mum and dad have got snobby now. They didn't even come to the playoff final because they were like, well, oh, we've done Wembley. Yeah. That's fine. Like, you've, you've played everywhere, you've played against the best players. I so thought, I need to challenge myself something different. Yeah. Even if something abroad came up, I'd have been like, I wouldn't mind that. Um, and so in the end, Villa came up in January. And luckily, just by coincidence, a month earlier than when I moved to Villa, we trained at Villa, Villa's training ground with Swansea before we played against. Um, I think before we travelled up to the North West, so it might have been Sunderland or something like that at the time, um, we had a game in the Midlands West Brom and then we went up there, so we trained there. Um, and I was speaking to Brian Eastick at the time, who's a coach there, and he was with Steve Round, who I didn't, you know, I'd, I'd never met him in my life, so I didn't realise, but we had a conversation for a while. And it went until a couple of weeks later, my agent ran me and said, Oh, Steve, really like to chat with you and stuff, and it's a possibility if you coming to Villa, they'd want to do it. So I just, I'd been at the training ground and thought, wow, this is what a, a proper football club looks like. You know, when you go to Carrington at United or yeah. you go to Melwood with <coughs> Liverpool, it's like, this is, this is how a football club operates. Even like, just receptionists on the door and stuff like, you did, never had that at Swansea, did we? Like Stuff yeah. like, there's a receptionist there, each one's got their own car park spot. We used to fight for car park spots, didn't we? At yeah. the uh, Glamorgan gym, trying to park somewhere. So I think it was all a bit different. I just thought this would be my first taste of a There, is a, there is a
0: buzz to it, because one thing, to play at Villa Park, brilliant, but the training ground is huge for a footballer yeah. and I know things would have improved for you at Swansea you, you would have missed out on yeah, the I move see the, to Fairwood I Fairway see the new there, training ground which is, there, yeah. which is incredible Yeah, um, but I had the same I left Swansea still at the Glamorgan and got the chance to go to Norwich and you turn up at a training ground where you have a parking spot with your number there and it's like oh my god this yeah. is what it's all about there's a chef on to cook your eggs in the morning yeah. it's just little things that at the time you think for a footballer you're it should be everywhere, but it's not. Yeah, so. you know, not cleaning your own kit and stuff like. You exactly. Know? So uh, it's it's good to get a little taste of that, isn't it?
1: It is. It's definitely, and I think like I've known a few players. I spoke to a couple of players. I think it might have been Adam Matthews or somebody. It might be Johnny Williams when he went up to Sunderland alone. He was like, "What? Oh, what a club! The really? size of the club and the training ground and all that stuff." And that's him going from Palace. Because obviously Palace haven't done the training ground yet, or maybe they're in the process or whatever. Um, and it's just like, I think Stoke or Joes are saying, massive training ground and all that stuff, it's all changed, I think...
0: It's your workplace, it, isn't it? It's nicer too. It's everywhere
1: uh, you go. It's every day right. you're there. Um, it's where you've got to look forward to going to work every day. So I think, um, I mean, listen, we'll probably spoil the way we're chatting, do you know what I mean? Even how it was before is better than what a lot of people have going to work, probably, but I think, yeah, it was just a massive club. and um, I, I do remember when I was younger and... I had the possibility to move to Newcastle I think when I was about 20, 21 It was a year we got promoted after Swansea Yeah And I think it was it was in the paper and all that anyway That Newcastle had met my buyout clause or whatever um, In the end I stayed that summer Because I had a long conversation with Brendan Rodgers And I wanted to develop under him And you know as long as he was a manager there I wanted to be there as well He and
0: bamboozled you basically
1: Yeah he basically right He bamboozled me but also he was the one To give me my chance yeah. In the first place And I loved his style of football And also I owed the club as well a little bit but when I went to actually look... it's that like your mate? <laughs> your mate has just flown into the podcast. Morris, there's a, a bat flying around <laughs> in here. It's a moth, but it's... a, it's a giant it's been moth. it cross-breeding with a bird. <laughs> that's
0: a dinosaur. That's, that's what that is. A, that's incredible. That's a mini-dinosaur.
1: That's incredible, that is. Yeah, go on. Anyway, our oh, missus is a freak out now, she's here. Um, Newcastle. But, yeah, so I went there, and obviously I went to see the stadium and I was like this isn't real Yeah. I said this, me from Rithin playing at Wrexham you know my last a year ago I played at Grays and Ebsfleet away and I'm looking at that, that massive stand at St James's Park and I was thinking surely not I couldn't you know you do get like overwhelmed by it like this has got to be this is the dream to play somewhere like this at the top level um, in the end I seen sense after a couple of days and didn't get too flustered and I think I think Newcastle's plan for me because I was young anyway was to sort of ease me into the first team and that was under Brendan I was his first choice left back and so in the end the the choice was easy but I remember seeing that and thinking that's a big club
0: do you not think there's something quite nice about your route uh, my route into professional football that you turn up at St James's Park or Mm. Villa Park whatever the the ground may be and you get that buzz and you almost think is this a dream I I don't belong here surely whereas if you go through that academy where you're playing at these grounds quite often and it becomes the norm and you get spoilt from mm. a real young age and that hunger goes. I, I don't know about you, I, I wouldn't change the way that my career happened.
1: I wouldn't change anything, I 100% wouldn't change anything. I, I think, I don't know about yourself, Like I'm one of the players that doesn't see that I'm good. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, why would someone want to buy me? Yeah. Why does someone want to, do you know what I mean? Why would I be first choice? There's so many out there.
0: You know, my problem was I, that maybe I didn't see that I was good and no one else did either. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, if, I know mean. If that even. happens, yeah, you're back at Sunday League, so it is. <laughs> but I think it, it was one of them where I, I'm more of a doubt myself. Yeah. But actually, I work really hard because I'm scared to fail. That uh, sort of and thing. And you'll
0: put, you'll put on the, a brave face as well. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, um, you, you know, you're not a shy lad. No. Even though inside you might yeah. be thinking, am I good enough? Yeah. You put on a little show yeah, doubt To yourself. hide your insecurities Doubt yourself
1: Every day Every week and I, and I honestly think A lot of footballers do mm. I believe a lot of footballers do like, Now there's sports psychologists In football so There's only a small brand of players That you play with And you think They just They think they're absolutely amazing like, yeah. I can look at like, someone Like say Jack Grealish now They've got that That talent That's beyond any of us The talent that we've got yeah. We've all grafted to get Where we've got Most of us have grafted well, to we've get where we've all we probably got.
0: been the best, kid, the best player in yeah. school Yeah uh, but there comes yeah. a point where you realise Oh shit, these, these yeah. lot are on a different level yeah. Whereas he will be yeah, He'll, he'll be comfortable with his yeah. own ability eh?
1: And he is literally comfortable with his own ability And he knows he's supposed to be where he is And he's ready to take Because the pressure on someone like that In places like Villa You know, I'm looking at Agbon Lahore and him and things like That is massive, massive pressure but don't feel it I just mm. don't think they feel it Because they've just got that, that different personality Which is brilliant It's almost a naive one but they just maybe Don't see it So more
0: naive And uh, a little yeah, bit Of it, arrogance it, yeah. Good arrogance Yeah
1: They probably don't even Think enough To understand everything That's going on
0: To them Playing at Villa Park Is like how you would have felt Playing for your school team Yeah You know you're good Exactly that You're better yeah. than most players You're playing with Playing yeah. against No problem at all That's how they play Yeah exactly that And with then you've got the boys Like Messi yeah. the, the top boys on another level again.
1: Exactly, exactly. Bastards. And I was, I know, I always worked under the, the, like somebody's trying to take my shirt, that's how I worked. So I've got to try and be the best every day and then when someone takes your shirt you've got to look at what you've not done right in the last six months and why and blah 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 and analyse it and I think that's, that's the way i tried to work the whole way through but I think, yeah so coming back to it, the chance to come to Aston Villa I was just like I've got to give it a go whether it's in the Champ or not this club's going to get back to the Prem. If I sign here for four years we've got to get back in that period and I, you know, I've been, play, been playing there in the Championship with sellout crowds. So it's yeah, it makes it makes obviously the player final day even even harder to take. Really, what about playing with uh, guys like John Terry? You know,
0: people's perception of him from the outside is what is what it is. Um, what's it like for you as, as a defender? You would have grown up seeing him captain in Chelsea. Do you have the, those first couple of days where you look at someone like him and think, "Oh my god, I'm
1: playing with John Terry!"
0: Towards the end of his career or it does it just become that norm
1: I think it's be- I've never been like that um, oh my god I'm playing with so and so like since being inside it's like I always say to like my family like, I was a massive Liverpool fan as a kid as soon as I'd played against them actually played at Anfield and myself and done it like my whole supporting of a team had sort of finished because yeah. I was just like you know they say like never meet your heroes and stuff it was almost like I've just done something that it sort of seemed impossible yeah it up, seemed yeah. impossible like, i used to watch steve at manaman and that and i used to have got a picture of anfield and my wall at home as a kid and you, it doesn't even cross your mind to play there then once you've done it it's almost like oh you know this is just normal i realize that all these people on liverpool's team are the same as our team yeah. they're just normal fellas that are good at football they go home every day they spend time with the family they do whatever they do they're normal guys who are very good at football. So when you come back to John Terry I thought the same thing I know he's just a normal guy Yeah. I know he probably has the same problems as us he probably eats flipping Rice Krispies in the morning the same as us and has arguments with his wife and has to deal with tantrums from his kids and I don't think any of that changes they're normal guys but obviously when I see him play football you realise why he's had the longevity that he's had and Is that what you like Rice Krispies? I know, we,
0: no No I'm Is that what he a, likes? I'm just like
1: a no. I'm just like millennial I don't know um, I don't know first thing that came to my mind i'm like a millennial now mate all that avocado and <laughs> I, honestly porridge and this this stuff in there i don't know the name of you need healthy things They're to nuts. keep the shine in your in your new yeah planet. the curls yeah. and i eat the crust and um yeah i eat all that stuff now mate it's yeah i don't know george best never ate it did he but i'm not george best <laughs> not quite <laughs> no. not quite so i think yeah but not, not just him like glenn Whelan, <laughs> mini Yedinak. Players that have played at a high level for a long time. Like you look at Glen Wayne, it's like six hundred I don't know, maybe five, six hundred games at Stoke in the Prem the whole time. Mm. And these people, so you just watch, and I think that's what helped Jack last season, people like Jack Queenish or some of the young lads, just watch the day to day, the way they operate, um, never stop learning, but at the same time, you're not overawed by it because I know they're just they're just normal guys at the end of the day.
0: Where did it start off for you? Man City
1: before Exham yeah. Yeah, so Man, a kid. Man City, so I used to play for many people know, um, a little club called Munavissa. Yeah. Um, which is near Buckley, uh, which is near Mould. And I started playing there and I went to there because I remember we used to play Saturday mornings. So I used to play in my wellies and frog wellies. i played play Saturday morning with my school teacher on the AstroTurf and a couple of the parents would say, listen, Neil could play for Riffin like locally. This is only when I'm sort of six years old, but if he wants to actually get places where scouts go, then they always have like these tournaments on a Broughton Aerospace, the British Aerospace yeah. there. So like they have massive tournaments going there. All the teams anything like none this sort of mould and rill and all them banger and all them teams and that. And he just said the scouts got to watch. Obviously look for people.
0: You're lucky I'm older than you. I would have smashed you. No doubt. Uh,
1: I mean, you oh. know my track, my history. <laughs> I think it's that's one area of the game. I've a. Uh, that's true. Yeah. I won't go into tackling. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Let's leave tackling. So, so anyway. So
0: Man City, they were there. So scouts, the Man City yeah? were there.
1: Liverpool were there. Liverpool spoke to our parents as well as Man City and obviously do you think Liverpool, you're like, wow. But then Liverpool wanted me to, they wanted to watch me a bit longer and come on a trial. Whereas Man City were like, no, we wanted to come and join the academy. So my parents were like, okay, you're going to go join the academy. Which then meant, you know, from Riffin to Manchester. It was a good hour and 25, hour and 30 minutes. Um, which I'm not sure is actually legal. Um, I think yeah. the max you're supposed to travel at that age is like 45 minutes. But if you put 45 minutes down on the sheet and say you do it in 45 minutes, then you do it in 45 minutes. So there's not much that people can do, I think. But so I travelled that three times a week, training from the age of seven, um, up to Manchester, up to Man City. Sometimes obviously we'd have two nights of training in a week, so Monday and Wednesday, so I'd have to get home from school. Literally all my stuff would be in the car, jump in the car. I do an hour and a half up there, get to there, half five, train at six o'clock for an hour and a half. And I'd do the whole journey back in bed for like 10 o'clock.
0: McDonald's on the way home?
1: Uh, no, my parents wouldn't have spent that. No. I'd be eating like uh, sandwiches she made three days ago
0: Yeah.
1: in the back of the car, basically.
0: Salad cream on them, so they're yeah. real soggy.
1: Yeah, honestly, some of this stuff, my dad he used to put pate and onions in the same sandwich, and that, honestly.
0: What's he thinking? It's another
1: story, that mate. Uh, yeah, so I'd done that for years and years, basically, up until about the age of 15. Um, as I got into, like, 11 to age 15 as well, I got into my cricket and became half-decent at cricket as well. I was playing for North East Wales, had trials for Wales, I could open in batsmen. And so I used to juggle the two then. So I used to go and play Sunday mornings for City and then I'd have to go all the way from Manchester down to Corwin Bay, where they had nets on a Sunday afternoon, and do nets every other weekend. So I could have, like, listen, like, Middlesbrough away for City. Yeah. Go and do that as a kid. Get back to Manchester, shoot all the way down the A55, go to that like cricket training, and get back Sunday evening, knackered. School again Monday morning.
0: But did know you play cricket, right? You're playing to your stereotype, you know. Yes. Indian. Yes. Who, who's Indian? My you mum's your Indian. Parents. Yeah. Your mum's Indian. But my
1: dad's actually the cricketer from Kent. Oh yeah. really? Yeah.
0: So you could have you could have played football. You're eligible to play for India, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you you are an Indian legend. Did you win Sports
1: Personality of the Year, then. Do you know what? <laughs> you did, didn't you? Um, you don't even play for their national country? Yeah, I did win it, and it was between me and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> what about the cricketers? It was, it, it was literally...
0: They, they can't have been in the running. No,
1: it was... It was
0: uh, they can't have been.
1: It's like a British-Asian award, mate. It's not as big as you okay, think. OK, OK. Um, yeah, it's one of them, so I did win that one, yeah. And there's another good one, actually, a really good one. Go on. I was in the top hundred most powerful Asians in the UK. Most, really? Most powerful.
0: That's a beautiful. Guess what thing. number? Um, top. What were you? Top fifty. Top one hundred. Yeah, it, I don't think you were top twenty. Coming were in it? ninety-eight. Ninety-eight. Because for you to say it, I was in the top one hundred, if you if you were lower, you would have I said I was in the top ninety. So obviously,
1: there's like Amir Khan. Even Amir Khan only made like seventeenth. And it's like, there's loads of like, businessmen and that that are like, billionaires sitting in London you don't know about. But.
0: For a country with so many people in, not many sportsmen come out of India unless they play cricket, mate, of Indian descent. It doesn't happen, mate. Name a sport I that mean, Indian they're... people are good at.
1: N- nothing. Other than cricket? Listen, honestly, like, we, I've had this debate many a time, I've had it loads, of, and even since doing them British awards, you know, there's a massive thing on why Indians don't get over here and... Cos there's a billion people there. Yeah. And you're telling me there's not one or two? There's got, got to be, but the problem is it's the whole system. I know Liverpool have an academy out there now. Chelsea have an academy. Okay. They're trying. It's just to see. But even from now, and I'm saying it from being obviously now that I'm in Birmingham, there's a massive Asian community anyway, as everyone knows. Um, and my kids go to a school with a lot of them, and a lot of parents are doctors and lawyers. Yeah. And education mate, is the number one, fundamental for them sort of families because also their background, they know poverty, they know what life can be like. And they know that education's the number one. So I don't think even Indian parents. I was lucky. My mum's not a strict Indian mother. And then I have my dad, who's like your normal cockney fella, right. who's a bit like you know, make sure he does his sports and his education. Where well, yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen loads of kids, especially of Asian, where they're basically like, no, you ain't going footy training. There's a tutor coming over yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're doing your maths, your English, your science, and because you're going to be a doctor, you're not going to be a footballer. Let's be realistic. Yeah.
0: I so do, I did a podcast with someone the other day. I can't remember who was saying. India got to a, a World Cup, 1950, they pulled out because they weren't allowed to play barefoot. What do you think of that? Yeah,
1: incredible, isn't it? It's incredible. So I went over there a couple of years ago to do some charity stuff and there was a thing where the, where the police runs alongside the football. So the police say if the, if the kids, you know, they don't mess about, they go to school, they turn up, they do their education and the police put on like a football camp for them every week. Yeah. So Something for them to do. Um, and, and if, even when I went there as a kid, I went there a couple of times as a kid with my parents, and it's just cricket mad, mate. It's really? all cricket, cricket everywhere. But then I went back this time, and like, <coughs> there's people playing rugby, and <coughs> I was like, what's a rule? I went to like an orphanage, and there's like rugby balls out and stuff, and they're playing rugby. And so I think other sports are coming in.
0: Um, so, what were you, Tell Spin bowler? No, it's Bat- a batsman.
1: Batsman, yeah. Literally, just like Mike Atherton, mate. You couldn't get me out, but I wasn't literally gonna. Just I wouldn't real make... boring. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't make the IPL now. So, you play. If I was at auction, I'd go for minus 100 quid.
0: So what you're saying is you play cricket the way you play football?
1: Yeah. It's
0: real steady and boring. Yeah. Yeah?
1: It's exactly that. There's nothing... Yeah, there's nothing... There's nothing flamboyant about me, really. (laughs) You're trying with that hair,
0: aren't you?
1: Yeah, I think the barn, it's what I want about midlife crisis. I mean, I own a van. There's nothing flamboyant (laughs) happening, is there? Let's be honest. Uh, Maybe you're going for that surfer, dude, look. In the van, window open. You do change as you get older, don't
0: you? Definitely. Have you been the same? Definitely. Well... I went, where did I go? Where did I first have it? Was it Norwich? I had the roof box. Right, so I had the Volvo. How old are you then? 26 maybe? <laughs> Honestly. And did I get it <laughs> when I was leaving box. Norwich? Because I was going to Inverness. And you must have made the journey where you try and fill your car up with everything yeah. and realise there's not enough here. No. There's not enough space. No. Especially when the kids are in and you've got to fill the back seat as well. What so was in the roof box? So i got a roof box. It would have been m I just put whatever up there.
1: I look at it and just think there's not that much space in there. And the more people took the piss out of me,
0: the more I, I thought, I'm not taking this down. Yeah, man. that's me, that, yeah. Because I probably could have took it down after a month or so because yeah. the journeys have been done, I got all my stuff up there. Yeah. The more I was getting the people taking the piss, yeah. I thought, this is staying now. Yeah, I can't so get it, it on in. for about three years. Yeah. No problem.
1: Yeah. But well, you, do, be, you do you it. You're losing petrol for fun. Doesn't matter. <laughs> just Doesn't matter.
0: I stayed strong, <laughs> but you, you, you do change as you get older You, you care less about care, what, what yeah. other people think Care and, completely less, yeah you know? So, did it come to a point where you had to pick cricket or football?
1: Yeah, so it got to that point about sort of 15, 16 and I, Well, listen, I got released from Man City then at 15 Basically got told, you know, you're a bit too small The, the usual story that people have got when they're yeah. young You're not big enough, the other lads have moved on I mean, I was in an age group with Daniel Sturridge um adam clayton that now plays at middlesbrough um there's, there's there's about five or six seven lads that have actually made it to play in the leagues as well which is unusual for an age group ched evans ched evans same age same. um so there's there's clayton mcdonald who was at crew and stuff there's quite a lot of them um who have gone on to make decent careers curtis obeng who came to swansea with me is another one did he go at the same time as you yeah no, 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 he come after me a little me. bit later. Um, they
0: wanted you to have him to have the same impact as you, but it didn't. It didn't quite work out happened. for him. Did it? He,
1: uh, yeah, they 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 asked me as well, like, you know, how is he decent and that. And I went, yeah, yeah, decent player. Yeah. Didn't work out for him at Swansea, so that was my fault. It cost the club money there. Uh-huh. But I think, um, yeah, so I got released at 15. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, at that time, then I just thought, my allowed just swear on the podcast, don't you? Say what you want. I said, so I just thought, fuck football. So I couldn't uh, I completely sort of fell out of love with it I just thought and I felt so bad because my parents had done eight years of that driving for it to come to nothing really so I just thought in the end don't I was paying pretend cricket. you felt
0: bad when you were 15
1: no I swear, I, swear I did I swear did I, I did yeah so I used to hear them talking about the mileage and the car and the sandwiches the car and, she's made you. yeah everything like that and, and, and being a parent now yeah it feels even worse knowing the commitment now I was thinking if I had to now like, I'm, my daughter's seven, Marley's four, he's not bad at football. If in two years time, I got told, someone's gotta to drive Marley three times a week. Yeah. of the like, who the hell's gonna be able to do that? Do you know what I mean? So I think it's a massive commitment, and I felt bad. And, I, and and then back in the days then, like cricket was the summer, and football was the winter, and now football goes all year round, doesn't it? So I just played the cricket that summer that I got released. Um, and then a couple of teams, crew called up and wanted to take me. Turned it down and I was like, no, I'm not traveling anywhere anymore, I don't want to travel. Um, so then Wrexham said, why don't you come along to us? We have like trial games before the season. And I just wanted to play some football. So I thought right, I'll go and play. Went on trial there and then got a contract. Broke, the,
0: broke the, into the first team quite quickly. Yeah. And, the, yeah. and the Dean Saunders? No, so
1: yeah, basically the Dean Saunders, but Dennis Smith yeah. was the first manager. He took me in it. So I went into the youth team, like Joey Jones was probably the biggest impact on my career. <clears throat> from the age of 16 to 18, because he's Joey Jones, those people that probably know him from back in the day. Class, yeah. uh, but the and he gives the lads there.
0: I, remember, I went on trial to, to Wrexham from Bangor, and Dennis Smith didn't want to pay a fee in the end, so it was a waste of time. But Joey Jones took a handful of us after training to do extras. So, you know, at the Collier's, Collier's yeah, Park? Collier's yeah.
1: Park, yeah.
0: By the like artificial pitch, you had big floodlights, so maybe three or four. Yeah. And then it would basically be doing doggies between the floodlights so he'd say run to the first one or the second one and then back to the whatever and then he'd just shout slide tackle he wanted (laughs) he to jump in the air and do a slide tackle like nobody there to then get back up and go again
1: he was honestly he was brilliant I loved him and I think um, I actually I I never watched him play but I had like an image in my head of how he played and fans used to love him for tackling and heading and all that
0: wiry strength
1: and I I just used to um, I think I almost modelled my career off him in terms of like all the details he give you, you know, give the winger your first tackle that sort of stuff get stuck in early doors all that silly stuff that yeah you learn as a kid but yeah we used to slide tackle around mannequins so we put a ball behind the mannequin and you'd have to run up slide and hook your leg round as if you were slide tackling and then you'd get up and someone would throw you a header and it was brilliant honestly it was brilliant stuff like the, the grounding he'd give us the amount of weights we used to do really every day we'd eat pasta bake that was it nothing else Um that artificial pitch you're talking about with the floodlights, we built that You've UFT, bloods Really? We, I remember, honestly, I remember the PFA rep actually turning up one day who's supposed to check on our well-being and that everything's all right. And we were wheelbarrowing slabs <laughs> and taking turf from where they dug out for the artificial to the very other end of Colliers Park. So with your, wheelbarrows what's
0: your opinion on that then you know youth team players are so well looked after now was it wrong that you had to do that no it was
1: completely right and we've had this discussion we had um, this season we had a guy come in I'm trying to remember his name who wrote the book Legacy yeah. the All Blacks I don't know if you read it I read it yeah. a few years back even before he came in he did a talk on it and about how the All Blacks and how they leave the shirt so even after they finish a game they fold their shirt up put it back on the side sweat it dirty they clean the change rooms all that stuff and then me and, me and JT actually went to speak to him afterwards And we were saying But how do you do that these days? Like, I can't tell the young lads Because the PFA could turn up And they can tell me I can't tell him to do that We can't make the young lads do anything anymore All so, it takes
0: is one player from the U team So say they have to clean change rooms Or they have to shift concrete uh, Bags of cement yeah. and stuff All it takes is one of that group to complain yeah. And then it's over You can't. I've
1: seen it happen at Swansea It was unfortunate There was a, a coach called Tony Penick who I think got moved on because there were some altercations with players there weren't altercations it was nothing I wouldn't have heard different as a kid yeah. I think he told one lad you know you're too overweight for your position that you're playing you need to lose some weight All right he might have told him in a different way that's the football industry well Pence is a nice guy Penz is not is a a terrific, anyway. terrific lad um, and he'd done really well for some of them players and I think a couple of them coaches had to move on I can't remember the exact details but I remember me and about four or five other first team players going into that change room and basically grilling them lads and saying, if we hear any of you, because some of them, it was their parents that called up the PFA. These are lads that are 20 years of age.
0: Yeah.
1: And I remember thinking, it just wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened back in our days whatsoever. Yeah. None of these had to clean our boots. They didn't have to do anything. They were almost on the same hours as us a day, maybe done a couple of hours extra. I used to rely on getting out of that training ground by five o'clock to get the college bus home. Otherwise I was fucked. Like I'd be, it'd be four buses to get home. So I'd ring the old man, he'd be like, no, nope, not picking you up. Yeah. You know that bus goes from Mould at like quarter past seven. I mean, at what's the point you've been going home? I'm back, I'm back up six in the morning, like to go back to training again.
0: But it builds up a little bit of inner, inner strength, a of resilience.
1: It builds up everything, absolutely everything. And I'll never forget, there was one time at Swansea as well when I I bought a, my first Range Rover car. And I remember I maybe I had a couple of not not so great games and Brendan Rodgers put his arm on me a training once. He said, listen, you've been doing great. You're young, you're going to have a couple of games where you maybe don't play as great or whatever because you're a young lad. But he said, what car were you drive when you first come here? I said, oh, I had a Vauxhall Astra 1.4, I made up with it, bought it at Rexon. what you've got now, a Range Rover. And yeah. he was like, so just don't forget the work it's took you to get to the car you're in now and the house you live in now. Now you've got here, I said he said, I don't want to see you fall by the wayside because you made a bit of money. There's loads more to go and make, there's loads more to go and achieve. Little reminders like that. It's tough like, though, isn't it? You need as footballers. Now care. I see lads in, in them cars at 80 yeah. and I'm like what wages. can I tell him what can I tell him he's probably uh, heard more than I ever dreamed of at that age I think there's a saying I think it was Marvin Hagler who said something
0: along the lines of um, you know after, ha- after he'd made it how much harder it is to go for that 5am run when he's been sleeping in silk pyjamas it's true you know
1: it's true Your it's 100% it? true and that's one of the reasons I wanted to sort of push myself when I had that moment at Swansea I was like I'm getting too comfortable Do you know what I mean? Like, to us footballers, then money doesn't become an issue. Um, You can look after your family, your holidays are nice. All this stuff you strive for, a bit like what I said about when I played in Liverpool, that I didn't celebrate them anymore, didn't follow them anymore. You sort of get to that point where you've done everything and you have to find a way of keep challenging yourself. Whereas I think some of them lads think at 17, 18 that they've done it. You know, and I've seen it at Swansea, some of them, they'd be out in Swansea every Saturday night, everyone knows them as the lads that play for Swansea, the women love them, all the families are great. I remember as a kid, you'll know it as a kid, like, oh, he's the kid that plays for Man City. Yeah. So when you've got school games, people trying to kick you and do all that stuff. There's high expectation, even from a young age, to do well. And the thing where I think we're failing them is, is loads of them aren't going to make it in football, and we're failing them for how their life's going to be after that.
0: There's also a difference, I mean, players have always been released. Yeah. You know, through, since football became professional, players get released at different times, different stages. It's just now, it's pros and cons, because they'll get released. Maybe they'll, maybe clubs will cling on to them a little bit longer because they have to fulfil their squad quota for the under-23s, yeah. whereas they're getting kept on until the 23. They, and should they have don't been released know that. They, don't, the they, th- they think they're doing well. And also, financially, for these boys now, they're getting released with a big wedge behind them, whereas yeah. that youth team player that got released... 10, 15, 20 years ago yeah. He's got nothing behind him No You know But it gives them A false sense of Everything Importance mm. Having that track suit Having that unbelievable car They just don't have to fight For anything no. yeah you know?
1: and, that, and that's why I think we're failing them I'm trying to explain That most of these Won't make it So we're supposed to Prepare them And the coach's job Is to prepare them For when they fail How do you change I, I don't know
0: how I honestly don't know How you change it Do you, do you say Right these players Can earn this money But they can only take out a percentage of it until they're 22.
1: Someone else will pay them it, won't they? Yeah. That's the problem. You know, If you do a policy at your club, then the other club will go, brilliant. Everyone has to do it. Yeah. There'll be there'll be back payments, there'll be brown envelopes, there'll be ways of, there'll be ways around it, benefits in kind, give your parents a house, buy your parents a car or something. There'll be a way around everything yeah. in terms of paying you. But I just think, yeah, I just think we're failing them. And that's why we said, like, we'd never do, I wouldn't change my career for anything to start at the bottom to get where I am now. Um, for anything like that.
0: that's what i say to people but also if i went back in time and was offered a professional club at 14 yeah. i probably would have took it as well yeah of course
1: you know yeah it's not their fault it's just the way it's worked out is it's not their fault at all but then we're failing them by not giving them you look at all them you know i look at them united players that made it and i look at like even like i look at chesi now right james chester the way he's disciplined the way he goes about his life every day he looks like one of them lads that were, what was his name warren joyce was it the coach they had there the brought them all through, there's you, loads of you them went to
0: Wigan then, yeah. you know,
1: Robbie Brady, Paul McShane they're all friends, they're all players that came through the same youth team with this guy that the Nicky Butts, Paul scores and all them did and the way they are as people in life and as footballers, respectful. is a credit Is respectful, everything like that is a credit compared to what some of them now have become I think
0: because what you're talking about, the drive that you have from having to drop down levels and not having everything put on a plate for you from the off helps you in your career but it will help you after as well yeah do you know know what i mean when the day comes to retire you've kind of lived you know what it's like to not have everything straight away yeah um so yeah pressure
1: as well oh some of these lads it's like he's the kid at man united you know oh he lives down the road from me oh that's so-and-so's mum he's the mum of the kid at man united you know you have that status and then suddenly these boys are like gone it's an and interesting it's a pressure one,
0: you, you, The it, pressure on them Because what you're talking about Has always been there There was always. always that player At Man United Always But these days More than any Because of social media As well yeah. People want to yeah. a, a dad wants to see his son In a tracksuit So the picture goes on Instagram Because everyone knows Everyone's business Yeah 20 years ago A little bit more private People on the same street Would know yeah. oh, Little Neil goes to Man City Yeah Whereas now Everyone in the village Everyone yeah. knows Yeah And you have to It's keeping up with the Joneses I I you, you don't I see, see my any little fade, boy.
1: Yeah. I see my little boy the other day he was on that kids youtube the a kids <laughs> youtube and he was watching some 6 year old and like, the title was like the best 6 year old in the world mm. and it was obviously a dad who's videoed his kid like all season doing different tricks and clips and stuff like that yeah and like, I was thinking subconsciously you don't know the pressure you're putting on that kid to be just just let him enjoy being like he's obviously doing that video so that someone sees it yeah and says like oh does your kid want to come and play for so and so and and did you um? What was the recent documentary they done with Michael Calvin on BT? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. know that one? Was it called um, No Hunger in Paradise? Yeah. And I read the book actually before the documentary. I read it a few months before, and he talks about like the pressure that parents put on the kids, because obviously you come from like a council background. This is like your one chance.
0: See it as a as a cash cow.
1: Yeah. And that is where again, I just think I think we're failing kids. 100%. Cash cow
0: and social, uh, so, social status. Mm. And I, I've said it before. I feel sorry for friends of mine who have boys. I've got two girls. I almost I feel sorry. And it might be my character. It might be the fact that I played professional football. That I am just more chilled. Mm. Even if I had a boy, I'd be more chilled. More chilled, yeah. But for them, they don't know. They they want their boy
1: to, to become this footballer. It's a big bad world. Do, do you know what I mean? And it's horrible. I don't, I'll never forget my dad. We, you know, we'd have like the games as a kid. You know, all the parents are behind the rope, aren't they? And they watch the game. Yeah. My dad would be the other side of the pitch, stood by the corner flag on his own, and he'd just be like completely quiet. Mine was the same. Yeah. Completely quiet. Didn't want to speak to any of the parents. Couldn't listen to all the shouting and stuff that goes <laughs> on. It used to wind him up. But also, he's never somebody. He he never someone that complimented me after games or anything. He's never unless you asked for it. Yeah. yeah. He, he, never. I never got a compliment off my dad. If my dad said, you've done all right today, I'd be like, I played well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I bet this pair of fantastic today, you working on that. And they'd And, and I'm, I, I understand you need to be positive. Or the opposite. Yeah, or, or the opposite. they're grilling them too, too yeah, much. Or they're grilling them too much. And it's like, just let them have the process. Let the coach do his job that he's paid to do and trained to do. And if they're meant to make it, they'll make it. If you've got the right personality, you'll make it. But you're the same. You'll know the same. I could tell you hundreds of players I've played with that are better than me that didn't make it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And, it's, because,
1: and it's either because of their upbringing or their mentality or whatever in life because that time in life's crucial as well, As Like 16 to 18, you start drinking, you can drive, girls, all that sort of thing. Well, obviously, you Not were about 30 you. when Not girls started. Not for you, mate. She was six foot eight. No nope girls for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's so why I started with drinking and driving. Not at the same time. And then... Uh, Yes, it's it's And some people just don't want it. They can't handle the pressure yeah. of like a, a, a coach as a go at you. S- and some people
0: want that sob story. Yeah. They they might not know it. but... How many times have you heard? I was decent. I had an injury. I, I've got no time for it. Uh-huh. Right. If anyone listens to this and you try and come up to me and give me this, oh, how are you had trials at Spurs but your knee went. Yeah. I've got yeah. no time for it. Maybe it happened, but it's got to the point yeah. where you hear it so often. Yeah. You hear an excuse why it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, generally. If you are good enough and you have all the attributes, you will make it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Only the very unlucky will have a serious yeah. injury. Yeah. Generally, if I hear that shit, I'm yeah. switching straight off, thinking, exactly. whatever,
1: mate. 100%. And I look at JT now and I look at how is someone like Glenn Ween and Millie Edina, these are people, mate, if they lose a game in a five-a-side, JT, if he loses table tennis, anything, it hurts them. And that's just their personality. It's literally that personality that's got them to where they are now. Remember, they I, just can't take losing. It just hurts them.
0: I had a trial with Chelsea from Bangor. Big jump. Bit of a bit of a jump that would have been. Uh, had just took over. So when you said when you of,
1: walked in, they're like, "Where are you from?" Like when you went Bangor, they went, "Where?"
0: Well, it, was, it wasn't with the first team. It was with the under twelve. Under 12s Yeah, I was I was nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I actually bowled up in my Ford Escort. Like the the security guy stopped me. The first day, he was like, "Who is this character?" Yeah by the end of the week the Ford Escort the gate was going straight up knew who I was he was stopping for all the Ferraris and he had to check the he knew he knew about the Escort <laughs> didn't even have a roof rack didn't have the
1: spoiler on the back at <laughs> no right.
0: but I, I remember seeing John Terry uh, whatever his age would have been then early 20s after training I remember being in the canteen looking, looking down on him pinging balls left foot right foot right footed player he? but that left foot ping
1: I don't think he's right for it. he's both now,
0: Isn't he? Yeah. Just that drive and you can see that the practice, the practice. Um, you have to have something inside you, I think, mm. to be able to keep going the way mm. the way those boys have. But for you for you Tails, Wrexham, a little break breakthrough with, with them before going on to Swansea. How many, how many games did you
1: play for? For Wrexham it was about 160 I think I played Did, that. did you play that many? Yeah, minute, so yeah? I played about 150 games. Um, I remember Dean Saunders coming and he made me captain in the first week. Right. And we had that conversation. I was only 19, I think, 20, captain. And I had to I had to take the warm-ups before games. Right. So I'd be out on I'd be out for home and away games, and I'd have to take the warm-up with players that are 32 years old played for Man United years ago. And I'm 19. Looking back, that's a good team. So I was it? like, my worry wasn't the game, it was can I get this team through a warm-up? Do you know what I mean? I'm like, right roll your shoulders, jogging across the side of the box, like now we'll do a passing drill or something. Like I had to take that at 19, with players that have played at like the highest level and now dropping down in their career. I was like, what is going on? Anyway, and I was playing centre mid, I was playing centre mid at the time. So i had done well for, my record is 100%. I had three, I think I had three, four games. And then I went uh, for a change. I went into a tackle with a massive very centre half. Yeah. Got injured. And then the captaincy went to Ashley Westwood, who used to play for United. Yeah. Um, that you probably know him for your centre half. It went to him, um, and I was out for a couple of weeks, and then he kept the <clears throat> he kept the armband. And I said to Dean, oh, "In fairness, he should keep it." Mm. Like the whole worry I was having about a warm up instead yeah, of a game yeah. was too much for me. Like I don't know why one of you coaches can't <laughs> take the warm ups. But like again, yeah, the experience <laughs> for myself. All the
0: coaches were stuck in the corner with Dean telling them stories about him, yeah, about how to score goals. Exactly,
1: and mate, with the, with the gold Rolex on. I think. Um, yeah, so I think that was another like, learning curve for me. And then playing in the conference. Because um, my first full years as a 17-year-old under Brian Little, who's who brought me through the first time, yeah. um, who I now see at Villa every day, which is a coincidence, um, we got relegated. So that was my first experience of football, a full first, first year, was a young, young team at Wrexham. And we get relegated out of the league. Um, I'd had a decent season. I don't know how you count when you get relegated. Um, and yeah So then I was with Dino For a year and a half Two years And then one summer I just said Listen Dino I've got to leave Did Did you have trouble enough? Going to
0: Swansea did, did, am, am I right in saying Wrexham wanted Too much money for you And did you have to Do something yes, to try And push for it No
1: my contract was up Basically Yeah. So I me and a lad Called Andy Fleming said to Dino In January time I was like Listen come the end of the season I don't want a new deal um, I Basically I want to want to try something new I want to live away from home that's just my personality I think I want to go and try new things which is why like I said now nah, i have never be afraid of playing abroad or anything and, um, and so he, he was a little bit raging he left me and Flemo out of the squads all together for a couple of months yeah. so he was like well if you don't want to be part of the team and that and I was like well that isn't what it is it's just I want a new challenge anyway
0: so that was Dean
1: so that was in the Dino yeah and yeah, it, yeah. It, it didn't end badly it wasn't like I just basically said I want to go and try something new it's a bit of a hypocrite isn't he he jumped ship double shot (laughs) Anytime. it was quite funny actually because he um, him and Brian Carey were in the office and he called me and he said come on look at this and it was like it was the the players wages and he's gone so what is it you want you want more money yeah and I was going it's honestly not about money like I've said this before it's not about money I want to go and play somewhere else where I've got to leave home and whatever and he's gone look what he's on there see the car he's driving <laughs> you know what he's like Dino yeah see the car he's driving and he's on that there so don't be fooled by that car he's driving and all that stuff he's got him look at him there he said I can't get him to run the channel for that amount of money <laughs> look at him I can't even get him to run the channel <laughs> oh no no he's, I was thinking it's just classic Dino in it it's yeah. brilliant you know, Brian Carey's laughing over the other side of the room and then two together were a decent pair and like, I enjoyed him to be fair and when I look back now you know obviously Dino's a really funny guy yeah Um I mean we used to have five asides on a Friday like, And he'd, he'd like, offer a car to the winner Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'd be, like the winning team gets my car for a week and Stuff like that So big time now you look back at it But really funny
0: oh, I've said the story before uh, How he used to in Wales training sessions uh, Try and show lads how to finish Or take penalties And he'd say watch this lads post post and in So he'd be trying <laughs> to hit the post post and in And he, he thought that he had it down to a T <laughs> Like he was explaining Not that he was just going for the post that there was a specific technique and he wrapped his foot around this to go as if if the keeper was in to the keeper's right, yeah? So he's going left as he's facing it, misses the target and hits big Tosh's head, <laughs> square on, he was standing just the side of the goal. Hits his big, massive head, right? Tosh doesn't hit the ground, he just turns around Dean Saunders shot himself. shat himself. <laughs> himself Honestly, God.
1: But again, you know we go back to personalities? Yeah. Dean had that personality as a player, didn't he? Yeah. Like he genuinely thought, I can do that, and no one else can. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to show you. Yeah. That's why he's such a good player. I think. That's Definitely. why he scored so many goals. And he's that sort of personality. Part one with Neil Taylor done.
0: Decided to split it into two, similar to the Chris Gunter podcast earlier in the series. Um, Tails is he just rambles, just talks so much. He's got plenty to say. But fascinating insight so just decided because the conversation went on a little bit longer than the normal ones split it into two you guys can have a little chill out wait for the next one and uh, hopefully we'll be back to download part two which will be available very soon